In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll, and on this podcast, you will hear real stories. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. All right, welcome back, guys and gals. Those that are listening, man, we have got another incredible story. Ian Murphy has been a friend of mine, and Ian has been through multiple hard knocks, <laughs> to put it nicely. Um, I know of a very few, but I'm really excited to hear part of his story because truly, I haven't actually heard Ian's history. I haven't heard part of the journey, the beginning part of it. I kind of picked up a little bit in the middle of some of getting to know Ian, but um, I just wanted to say welcome, Ian. Man, tell us about your journey. Tell us about your hard knocks. Tell us about the bends, the good, the bad, the ugly. Man, we want to hear it. Thanks, Tim. I appreciate you reaching out. Always glad to share kind of the hard knocks that we, uh, I have been through, we have been through, you know, with me in particular, the last couple of years have been kind of one big hard knock based around a narrative that was instilled in me a long, long time ago, mainly as a kid, but reinforced when I was in my early twenties. And that is personal responsibility. And I've always had a slight sense of how do I want to, what's the right word I want to use? I'm not anti-government necessarily. I, I consider myself a libertarian. So I think that government should have a, a small role in our lives. And recent events, you know, since COVID happened in 2020, I own a barbecue restaurant for those that are listening. The Iron Pig Smokehouse in Northern Michigan, we stayed open during the majority of the shutdown, uh, shutdowns here in Michigan. And we got attacked by the health department basically every state agency that could possibly come after us did. And that is the beginning of a whole lot of things that I didn't even know that I was actually prepared or being prepared for early on in my life. I was a part of a couple of different marketing organizations. Some might call them multi-level marketing organizations. <laughs> Some might call them pyramid organizations. But my point is that the majority of these organizations all had um, some very strong leadership. And not always just about business, but around understanding, you know, the world that you live in, you know, personally and as it relates to you doing business. So, Ian, let me ask you this. Yeah, let me ask you this as far as because you, you said something really powerful is that you had a belief of owning and taking responsibility. Right. And so how did that belief form? What was that before COVID, before this challenge that you're looking at? How did how did that come about? How did you have that? sense of ownership or that sense of responsibility? What happened in that area? I've always been an entrepreneur and entrepreneurs tend to have the viewpoint of problem solving. And I had always since high school had always had the urge to be a small business owner and small business owners, they are, they are responsible, right? They're responsible for all the decisions the organization makes. They're responsible for everything else that goes on. If you have employees, you don't have employees. And I guess I, that just carried through for me through high school and in my endeavors after that. Went to college for a little while, tried it out, um, <laughs> and col college wasn't for me. I spent a lot of money, two and a half years down at Central Michigan, and uh, realized that uh, I, I could be doing something else. I should start my own business. 
so that's so this, really that, where that's, it started. I would say that's an interesting point. If you felt the need or the desire to go into small business, even as a high school, why did you go down the path of college? Why did you even attempt to be able to take care or, or go that direction? Was there somebody speaking into your life or was that society? Why, why did you do that? That was definitely a, a societal thing of peer pressure is a big part of it. You know, you, you see your friends going off and the narrative for forever has been and continues to be that you cannot be successful unless you have a college degree. I, I would go so far as to say is a lot of that is actually indoctrination, but that may be for another episode. <laughs> but what what was instilled by me and by my dad, because my dad was a, a, a lineman for the telephone company, but in his spare time, he sold sporting goods out of uh, a little office in our house. He didn't need to, but he was actually filling a need. So that part of that journey was instilled in me a long time ago. And then when everything happened with the second go around of the shutdowns, I just felt like something wasn't right. This was not the idea I had in my head when I began this particular business in 2017. And we agreed to these set of rules whether it's liquor license or whether it's a health license or whether it's uh, an occupational safety uh, situation, they changed the rules overnight several times, actually. Mm. And I just thought to myself, this, this isn't right. This, this is not the way that our levers in government are supposed to work. And we kind of put up with it through the first part of 2020. And then the second shutdown happened after some unconstitutional rulings came out. And I just thought to myself, this is just, this is, this is not right. Something, something is askew here and we've got to figure out what this is. And at the time, I didn't know what it was. I just knew if nobody else is going to stand up, if I'm going to go bankrupt and get put out of business because of restaurants being shut down, I was at least going to go out on my terms right. is the easiest way that I can describe that. So um, let's, let's relate that because it sounds like this, there's a similarity there with the decision of college. And that's what we're talking about. You're like, okay, what was the, the formation of those beliefs at the beginning part of it? Sounds like there's some similarities there. You, you quit college because maybe you felt like something wasn't right. I don't know. Just kind of, let, let's dive into that just for a second. Because I know as I talk to people, there are so many people that are like, yeah, if you don't go to college and you can't be successful, you can't be a business owner, you can't, you can't, you can't. And that that's like that false narrative. And then you're, it sounds like it's almost identical. Maybe not, but let's, let's uncover yeah. that. It is. And it's, it's tough because you don't want to just blanket say that, you know, post-secondary education, you know, is useless. That, that certainly is not the case. It definitely has its place. I have just seen it explode. You know, I was in school, I graduated in 1997 from high school and was in college in the early 2000s. And I haven't seen much change. They just, the, the idea is completely false. And actually, I think that employers are starting to look for folks that don't have post-secondary education and have real-life experiences. Mm. In my experience, the mistakes that I made, because everybody makes mistakes, the mistakes and those lessons learned were way more valuable than any business class I could have taken or ethics class I could have taken in college. Again, that's not to say that they don't have their place, but for me, my real world lessons that I learned <laughs> shaped my point of view much more than I believe any college course did or could have. So what was the shakeup that caused you to step out of the college arena or to be able to say, look, this is just isn't for me? Like, was there something that just kind of came and bopped you on the head and said, hey, you, you need to make this adjustment? 
my student loan bills. <laughs> <laughs> the money. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, what it comes down to for me is that I learned after my freshman year that I, I learned in a particular way. And, and for me, this is a big part of it. I, I couldn't sit in a classroom and stare at a screen or a lecture or something like that. I needed to be hands-on. Mm. That was a, a big part of realizing that when, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, you know, you watch the movies with Tom Cruise and this, that, and you read plenty of books and you think, boy, this is a lifestyle that I, I mean, this is something I would want to do. This is something I enjoy. And then you realize that being a lawyer is like 95% reading. it's not courtroom drama. And I related that to how I learned and I just couldn't sit in these classes and I just wasn't learning very well versus going out and actually doing something. And I had a full-time job while I was in college, my second year, and was realizing that I was learning more in that environment, being in the work world than I was in college, learning the history of art, which had no relation to what my degree in business was. Mm. So that was another big part of it. You taking all these ancillary things just to get credits. But really what I wanted was teach me how to market, teach me how to run that business. And I just fundamentally decided, well, I'm going to go out and make all the wrong moves and learn that way. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so many of us, we get in that. I am honestly impressed the fact that you had that I guess to come to Jesus, self-realization, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But the whole aspect, I mean, it was just like that at that point in time, you realized, I, I frankly just don't learn this way. Like, I just don't fit with what that narrative is. And so you made the decision to actually change. So when you made that decision to change your thought process, your belief patterns, did you have support? It sounds like your dad kind of supported you a little bit. Some of us have that, some of us don't. Did you have any other like people like, what the heck are you doing kind of conversations? Did you have like, you're crazy for quitting kind of conversations? Like what was going on internally in your brain at that point? You know, that's a great question. My family has always supported, you know, they were actually sort of the ones that the reason why I went to central Michigan in the first place is because they happened to be at Gaylord high school and I could apply right there. And I was like, Oh, what the heck? I'll see if I can get in to CMU. Well, they accepted me. After I realized that it, it wasn't for me, and by the way, it wasn't just me that realized I wasn't learning well. I, I actually had a counselor help me realize that I that this just wasn't the particular way that I was good at learning. Mm. Once I made that decision, what's interesting in your question is when I talk about before the peer pressure and the societal pressure to go to college, you would think that there would be that pressure of, well, you're a loser or uh, you failed. And I don't ever recall feeling that. I actually kind of recall feeling relieved. Wow. Um, you know, that I had, I had given it my best at bat. So I would say, <laughs> my student loan bill probably would say otherwise. But at the end of the day, it, was, it just wasn't for me. And I think I, I was still living down in Mount Pleasant, while my friends, my roommates were still going to school, one at Central, one at um, the community college right there as well. And I went out and started selling Kirby vacuums to pay my rent. And honestly, I learned a lot from those people. I mean, they, <laughs> they've, been, they've been selling vacuums for a long time. They have, a, they have a pretty good product. But so I just went out and decided to learn how to do some of these things and failed lots and lots of times, probably more than I succeeded along the way. But those lessons were just way more valuable than sitting in any class. 
So th- that obviously then influenced you as far as moving forward. And I know you've run into this whole situation with COVID, making the decision to keep the business open, contrary to what society was basically telling us, the health department, everybody else. Was it that switch or that transition throughout your college time that actually gave you the fortitude or the belief level or like, cause you said that you, you just felt like something wasn't right. So like kind of walk me through that idea, like what's going on in your head? Because I know a lot of us, we face that. We face that situation where we kind of feel like something's not right, but we're not quite sure how to make the decision to move forward. And so therefore we cave back into the false narrative or whatever that peer pressure is. It, it Yeah. It, for me, it really is as simple as if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out on my terms. I mean, it may be oversimplifying it, looking back on it now. But at the time, I, I was very open and honest. I, it, it's, it's tough to pinpoint. I just didn't like the idea of my future, my business kind of being out of my hands. I can't, as an entrepreneur, you you want to be in control, if you will, right? I mean, that's part of why or at you least the illusion your own of business. control. <laughs> or the illusion, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it it just wasn't there. And and the way that it happened, even from the beginning, what I had learned prior to this, after exiting college, getting various jobs, going through multi-level marketing, having some other leaders leaders in my life that taught me some basic tenets of government. And it just seemed like it was flipped on its head. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all sort of feel that. But to me, this this was egregious. And they weren't giving us any information other than to say, this is the best that we have right now. But what they were telling me after I started getting fines and citations, they didn't know the answers to the questions that I was asking them and the laws that they were handing out. And to me, that fundamentally felt contrary to what I had learned that our government, how our government was supposed to function. And when you go, when I go back and that, that self-awareness sort of thing, I'd love to say that I had this this all planned out and this was, you know, we knew exactly what we were getting into, but I had no idea what we were getting into. And it was sort of that faith I had that we knew something wasn't right. I knew something wasn't right in college. I had somebody help me identify those issues, step out of that arena and do something better. This was sort of the same situation where I had other leaders in this instance was there were some other restaurants in Southern Michigan that were staying open. So I had kind of seen what was going to happen to us if we continued to do what we were going to do. And ultimately just sort of followed their lead and then took it kind of one step further. It certainly wasn't something that was easy. Uh, At one point, I had the windows covered up with wrapping paper, and we were going to kind of go under the radar, and I didn't feel right about that. I called the health department and says, hey, we're going to be open tomorrow. You've left us no choice. We're going out of business. And those those decisions weren't taken lightly by any means, but just have to be open and honest and realize that something's not quite right here. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to, we're going to challenge this authority. Mm. 
I, I'm, to me, I've got so many questions. I, I mean, like, I want to keep it really concise and on point, but like some of the questions that just come to mind, and I'll let you choose. One, do you have any regrets? Two, would you do anything different? Three, what would be, and don't, you don't have, don't feel like you have to answer all these questions, but three would be like, what do you feel like was the best outcome? And how did, how does, uh, and I don't want to say society, because I know that there's people that both favor you and disfavor you. I know that that that's going to happen, right? But those people that are inside of your immediate circle, those people whose lives are affected. So whether it's the servers or those that are coming and actually purchasing and like, what, what was the impact on their lives because of your decision, because as we move forward, it's not just as leaders, as influencers, it's not just about what we do. It's about how we influence and impact other people's lives. So if you answer any of them, answer the third one, because that's the one I want to know the most. But the regrets, I I mean, like, I'm sure everybody, as they go through things, you said you didn't have any idea what you were doing as far as like, we didn't know what to expect, but was there any regrets? Was there any like, hey, I'm really glad we did this, but I wish we would have done this different or you, you go ahead. You answer however you want to answer. <laughs> I, I would say, no, I don't have any regrets. I probably wouldn't do anything different. If I did, it would be perhaps some of the way, you know, social media has been a, a big part of our story and how, again, society, you mentioned some were for, some were against. More were for than were against. But it's those that were against that were the most nasty towards us, I guess I would say. If I had any regrets, it would be engaging with those negative people in social media. But part of that was for us to show how much angst and anger was being put on us by peer pressure, if you will, because we were standing up and we were virtually one of the only ones that were. So no regrets, not much would change. What was the third one? The impact. That That's what I think is most important. As we look at and that's again, that's the vision of what we're doing here. The reason why we tell these stories is because they have impact on people and people will have real lives. And so that's the that's the key of this is that we've talked about some of the beliefs that you formed about some of the challenges, some of the narratives. We talked about the biggest challenge you faced was basically losing everything through the shutdowns and making the decision to stay open. So what's been the impact and what how is that going to affect things moving forward? Well, as it relates to our conversation, the impact has been tremendous. Our staff now knows that we will stand behind them no matter what. When they come to work at Darren Pig, they know that they will always get a paycheck no matter what happens. Larger picture for our business, the impact has been incredible. 2021 was our biggest year on record by over 30% from the last real year, which was 2019. 2021 has been on par with that. We have won the important legal battles. We're still in a legal battle and about to continue or uh, start a new one locally. What I am, and even, even still to this morning, getting on social media, there are people that thank me for standing up for their freedoms. And I never really quite look at it quite that way. I was standing up for our family, our business, our employees. That's on record from body cam footage that was submitted in testimony. The larger, the larger impact is I, I actually had no idea that I would ever be in a position to ha- have any sort of impact on anybody else on a large scale like this. And, and I don't 
really know exactly what that impact is until all of this is finished, other than to say that if anything happens relatively close to what happened in 2020, 2021, I at least hope that other people out there know that it's okay to question authority. It's okay to question government in this case. I've always had that little bit of anti-establishment in me, <laughs> um, but that's that's sort of my personality. I, I love to make jokes. It has been a really hard time to 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 make jokes throughout this entire thing without having people be really upset with us and say, "Well, you're making jokes about COVID." No, we're not. We're just trying to lighten the mood. But the impact, it'll be really interesting to see. We have an opportunity with our legal battle to fundamentally change how our government works in Michigan and the way specifically legislature writes laws. That really, truly will be, I don't like the word legacy. It sounds sort of pompous and presumptuous, but if the Iron Pig were to have any sort of legacy coming out of 2020 and this battle, it will be that a tiny barbecue joint and a silly Irishman from Northern Michigan decided to stand up to six different government agencies because the belief that he had from growing up was to simply ask questions, not to fight government as so many people think that, you know, that's what this has been about. It's just simply asking questions and making sure that these things happen the way that they're supposed to happen. Because like I said, I knew that there was a different way that these laws were supposed to impact emergencies. And they ignored the big one that they were supposed to use and instead use these other ones. And I didn't know at the time when we kept the restaurant open what the Emergency Management Act was, what the Emergency Powers of the Governor Act and what health care law number whatever even was. Yeah. Now through this entire thing, I've got way too much knowledge about all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, the impact is our business is open, we're thriving, and we're showing other people that it's okay to stand up and to question authority as long as you do it in the avenue that's provided. And everything that we've done is within the legal bounds and the legal system. You know, we weren't out there anarchy, anarchists doing anything crazy. We were just simply poking the bear a little bit. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a deep question, and you can choose to answer or not answer. In the quiet moments, when you have the ability to disconnect, what does all of this mean to you as a man, as a leader? You've established and said, I have these beliefs and I'm going to stick to these beliefs. What, what goes on in your brain during those quiet moments? Kind of disbelief, to be honest. I, like I said, I, I never thought that I would have a case before the Supreme Court in Michigan. I never thought that I would be in any kind of battle with a liquor commission. I never thought that I would have people doxing me online on Thanksgiving 2020. I never thought that random strangers would know my name. I never thought that random people in Home Depot would see a risk it for the brisket sweatshirt and say, hey, are you the Iron Pig? Thanks for standing up. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for what you did. In those quiet moments, <laughs> it's utter disbelief that when we opened this place in 2017, that three years later, we'd be on the brink of closing up. And then less than a year later, we'd have you know our, our record year. What a long, strange trip it's been. 
Did you ever uh, feel like quitting? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times. I think that's all part of it. You've got to, you've got to realize where you're at, self-reflect a little bit. And I think that wanting to quit is, is a part of that. And the biggest difficult part for me was I knew we were doing the right thing, but it was convincing the people that love me and that I love that everything was going to be okay. Even though I didn't necessarily know that at the time, because we were entering a world that had never been entered before. But yeah, I, I, I wanted to quit a lot, you know, mainly, mainly when my wife was upset because in all, in all honesty, uh, a fair portion of our community up here did not support us. And I understand why, but to see her upset, that was, that was a part that, that kind of hurt me the most was seeing the people I love hurt by the things that were said about me, all the untrue stuff that were said about me, the vile things that were said about me or our business, or us trying to put our community at risk. That was all part of the, I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Why am I doing this? No, who, who cares? Who is, who cares if, if our business goes under anymore, who cares? People are saying such nasty things. There's, you know, Detroit news articles. There's a, a thing in Newsweek about a t-shirt that we had and just, you know, people are nasty and you can easily use those things as an excuse to say, I'm done. I'm tapping out. It ain't worth it anymore. But looking back on it now, that's what makes our victories to date even more bittersweet is because I looked at that. We looked at that and said, we're here. We failed our way to the top because that's what we did. We lost two or three court cases, administrative court cases before we actually won. Mm. So it was literally failing our way to the top. So just recognizing that whole thing and then persevering makes the battle even more awesome that we won. So let me ask you this final question here. How did you cope? Because it sounds like there was a lot of emotions that was going on at the same time. You, you're probably physically exhausted. Mentally, you're probably completely drained from reading those long laws and all the government. How did you cope and how did you define the strength to be able to persevere through? That is a great question. And I, it, it was really, really hard when we first started and the news articles started coming out and the social media comments started ramping up and my friends my friends that would message me and say what you know what are you what are you doing why are you putting you know our community at risk how can you do this right now and i i struggled to understand how people could be so angry and so mean and i i that that was the the time that i wanted to quit was when people were so angry and mean and vile and a friend of mine said to me, you know, I always, I always thought it was this dynamic between love and hate. And he explains to me, he says, it's not, it's not at all. He says, love, yes. But the other side is fear because it's fear. It's love and fear. And hate is a, a byproduct of that fear. So if you can understand why somebody is afraid and they're lashing out or being hateful, you can maybe understand their mindset or where they're at and why they're saying those things about you. 
And ultimately, it came to a couple of conclusions about their fear, this anger. It was a revelation for me, for one, because I could finally understand that these are people that are just afraid. They're afraid of the effects of COVID, rightfully so. They're afraid of transmission in the community, rightfully so. But what they're also really afraid of is that they're doing the wrong thing. We're out doing something different, and they're afraid that they don't have the same gumption to be able to do that same thing. Mm. I, I, does that make sense? Um, it's a perspective shift for sure. I, I mean, like I, I love where you're going with that, man. I, 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 that whole aspect of just shifting perspective. So yes, absolutely makes sense. Once I realized that all this anger and these people calling me these names were really actually just, uh, they weren't afraid of us. They weren't afraid of what I was doing. They were afraid of the the environment that we live in. They were afraid of all of the information, whether you call it miss or dis information. We were just inundated with all kinds of stuff. And then add on top the societal pressure of, eh, we're all in this together. We're all doing the right thing why aren't you doing the right thing? And when I had that conversation with my friend, Drew Spanning, you know, Drew, he's the one that told me that it's fear and love. It's not fear and hate, it's, or, or love and hate. It's fear and love. And once you can figure out that motivation for their fear, all the other stuff that comes from that, that hate and that nastiness and calling people names really starts to make sense. And you kind of get at that core belief of why they're lashing out. Because that's mm -hmm. really what it was, is people were just laughing. I mean, we had people that would review bomb us that had never been in the restaurant before, simply because they didn't understand why they thought, you know, we had an election, you know, a certain presidential candidate didn't win. And that was also lending to the environment of some of this other stuff. And it just once I understood that, it, it was definitely a paradigm shift for me and removed all of that anxiety I had, and then maybe almost too much to where I felt like it was okay that I could come back. And you know what I was saying before about not engaging with some of the negativity, I almost felt maybe emboldened after I learned that, that I felt like I needed to maybe shine a mirror in their face a little bit and listen, this is, you know, why are you upset at me? You should be more upset at yourself that you're not questioning some of these things, but that 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 was that was a big deal for me. It was learning that that difference right there, and then everything else from beyond that was much more clear. Wow, wow, this has been incredible. How how can people get a hold of you if they want to uh, learn more about the Iron Pig or about Ian Murphy? Or I'm sure you can't talk about lawsuits because that's always the case. You can't talk about anything that's in court. <laughs> so how how can people get in touch with you? The best way there's there's two main ways. One is is the restaurant's website, which is IronPigSmoke.com. The other one is we have a podcast that we do relating mainly around a lot of these things, sidebar issues as well that kind of relate to that. It's called Murphy's Law. You can find all of our episodes, YouTube, uh, anywhere that's streaming audio or video. Our website is murphyslawpodcast.com. Awesome. Well, again, thanks so much for sharing. I actually learned a little bit more about you too, so I'm kind of happy about that. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. But again, thank you so much for being on. Uh, any last words, any last things you tell like, I got to say this. No, I, like I said, I think what uh, what you've got going on here is, is fantastic. Trying to identify, you know, where we're at in that process. 
and being able to reflect and then look forward and be able to help other people, business leaders, entrepreneurs in the same situation. I'm always happy to lend my perspective to anything that you are doing. I consider you a leader. I look towards you for for certain things as well. And I am very appreciative that you invited me. Awesome. Awesome. So until the next story, keep living your journey. We appreciate you guys and look forward to having you on our podcast. If you want to join up, there's an application. We'd love to be able to hear your story as well. So until next time, we'll see you guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live and enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. Finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity, freedom of your day, and it just might change your life forever.